And this morning, it is my privilege to welcome to the stage our guest speaker, Daniel Malone. Um, he is the National Youth Director in Ireland. So if you would put your hands together and welcome him. Hello, NCC. Uh, my name is Daniel. As Pastor Aaron has said, I just want to take a moment and... Uh, just thank you, Pastor, for having me here. It's a privilege to be here. Uh, I serve as a pastor in Ireland. Um, yesterday I was speaking at an event and a, a kid put his hand up at the very end and said, uh, I thought you were from Arlington and you had a, a weird accent. I was like, no, I don't know where Arlington is, but I'm definitely not from there with this accent. Uh, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here all the way from Ireland. I, I'm a pastor in a church in Ireland. I'm going to ask you to a, a show of hands. Hands up here if you got a bit of Irish in you. You got a bit of Irish in you. It's in there somewhere. Your dog walkers, friends, sisters, brothers, Irish, and therefore you are one third or one quarter or one tenth. I had a, an American come up to me and say, I'm 17% Irish. I was like, how did you figure that out? I figured it out online. I was like, wow, wow, America is amazing. <laughs> amazing. We're going to have a bit of fun this morning, uh, but I believe God wants to just speak uh, into the fabric of your being. Will you join me in praying uh, just as we, we start this? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege it is to be in this church. Lord, that this house is uh, just pointing us to a greater relationship with you, Father God. And we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Father, we pray we would walk out a little bit different to the way we walked in. We pray we would uh, hear what you want to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, uh, I'm from Ireland and it's an incredible place. And I, I really believe that um, God wants to do something incredible in this church and in this area this Christmas season. I was just hearing from your pastor about what you guys are doing, obviously meeting Santa. Uh, Santa's a little bit different in Ireland, I'm not sure, and maybe maybe that's the way you guys celebrate Santa here, but in Ireland I'm like, Santa isn't that funny. I thought he was hilarious. Uh, I love that humor. We're kind of sarcastic in Ireland, so we, we love it, but uh, hey, there's a, there's, a, there's a world that needs reaching, amen? There's a people that need reaching. And uh, the Bible, Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians, it says that the enemy of this world, 2 Corinthians rather, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so that they cannot see the glorious light of the good news. The God of this age, Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. He's blinded them. They can't see where they're going. They can't see what they're doing. Like me with my eyes closed. I don't know if I'm walking off the edge of the stage or not. But uh, the crazy thing is that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glorious news. Well, Christmas is a time where the light of Jesus can be shone. But as believers, we are called to unveil the veil that the enemy has put over many people's lives. We are called to show them the light that is Jesus. Bring light into the darkness. I believe in NCC, God wants to do something incredible through your life in the lives of other people as you go around showing people the light and the goodness of Jesus. I, I, I picked up one of these little leaflets, a new community Christmas, and I, I thought, you know what? This is incredible because this is a vehicle to show the light 
light of Jesus, to pull the blindfold that the enemy has put on people for so long and show them the glorious light of the good news. Amen. I was thinking about it like this. We in Ireland, we live in a country where although we have religion, many people don't have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, statistics show us that over 99% of people do not have a thriving, growing relationship with Jesus. That's an incredible statistic. It's, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable. There are so many young people that do not know Jesus. There are so many older people who do not know Jesus. There are families who do not know Jesus. They do not know the light of Jesus, the hope of Jesus. Um, but we're called to bring light, amen. I want to tell you a few stories. Uh, we, we, a few years ago, started a youth ministry. I'm in a church that was planted by an American man in 1987, one of the first evangelical Pentecostal churches planted in our nation. My wife is the only third-generation Christian that I have ever met. It gives you an idea of kind of the context of where we are serving. But God, when he uses people, he can bring the light into darkness. He can bring hope into hopelessness. He can bring a beautiful sense of his presence into the worst scenarios and situations. We started a youth ministry with six kids. We were proud because it was the largest youth ministry in Ireland. Six kids. I'm not joking you. It was incredible. We were like, this is amazing. God started to, to move. We started to step out. We, we decided that, you know, as a youth group and as a church, that we were going to go and have an audacious faith. That was going to try things, take some risks. And uh, four years later, I'm not going to talk too long on it, but four years later, we have seen over 500 young people give their lives to the Lord in a city. You can show that next picture. In a city that does not know the Lord. I think we have a picture there of it. And this is one of our youth nights uh, in an old church building built in 1700. Uh, it's incredible. People are stepping out and they're using their gifting. We, a few years ago, decided that we were going to release a record album uh, because, hey, nobody's ever done it in Ireland before and we thought it would be really cool in the south, that is. You guys uh, may know of Wren Collective and some of the guys up in the northern part, but in the south, it was like this big thing that we, we wanted to do and, and we decided, you know what, we're, we're going to go for it. We're going to step out of our comfort zone and we're going to start sending all these CDs out to like different people, different radio stations. They don't really know what Christian music is all about. You know, we're there singing Hosanna and they're singing something very different. Uh, but we said, you know what, why can't we engage culture? Why can't we bring the light into a dark place? Why can't we see if God can be used and glorified through secular radio stations? So we decided, hey, let's do it. We'll, we'll try it anyway. We started the process. We decided we'd do it in two months. It took us nearly two years. Anyway, we got there in the end. We released this EP and it was incredible. I got a call the day we released it from a friend and uh, it was absolutely amazing. I, I thought, you know what, we, we really we really could really do well with this. Like, I'd be so happy if we like got into the gospel charts or something. I got a friend, he said, he called me, he said, hey man, you're not going to believe it. We just released last night and it is number one in the gospel music charts in Ireland. Isn't that incredible? Well, 
Well, it is incredible, but nobody's a Christian in Ireland, so it's not that incredible. Nobody's buying gospel music, you know? So you're like, yeah, number one in the gospel charts. There isn't anybody else on those charts. So if you sell one record, you're doing pretty well. But hey, we we thought it was good. We were like rocking it. And the next day, as people started to buy it, and we started sending it to the radio stations, I got a call from the same friend who produced the album. He was like, hey, Daniel, I've got some really good news. We are listing number 20 on the national music charts and I was like wow like a worship album now the the worship music in it is quite accessible for non-believers because we obviously want to create bridges to the gospel rather than barriers and so the music is it it, it sings in words that we can understand it sings in words that a non-believer could understand number 20 we were like wow praise God the national music charts people are buying it it's incredible oh my gosh Irish people are just like gonna get this I got a call from my friend hey dad it's it's getting crazy we're number eighth in the national music charts later on I got a call and you can show this picture we were number two in the national music charts this is in Ireland in a country where people don't know Jesus now I love One Direction but I did not like Justin Bieber in that moment because there we are chapel band fire by night the whole point was you know fire by night that he led the Israelites into you know the land and and the fire by night looked after them I'm like praying Justin Bieber out of that position well we started sending 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 and uh, all of a sudden the next day uh, we went to number one in the national music charts and God God was glorified. I had this thought, you know, in order to reach people that we have never reached, sometimes we have to do things that we would never usually do. In order to reach the people that do not know Jesus, we've got to kind of step outside of our comfort zone a little. Sometimes out of the normal run-of-the-mill life that we usually do. And, And in order to reach people that have never been reached, we need to do some things personally in our lives that we never usually do. Hey, maybe you're here today, and I don't know where I put that leaflet. I think it's in my back pocket, but maybe you never usually invite people to something. I want to encourage you today. Somebody needs to hear the light of the good news. And if we can do something a little bit differently to the normal way we do things, just maybe doing our normal life, going to work, coming to church, enjoying Thanksgiving, as you guys said, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Ireland, but... I'm going to start celebrating it now after seeing all that food. And uh, I, I know, I know that for so many of us, we get, we get, and I know for me, I get caught in the, the same thing and I just keep doing the same motions. But in order to reach people that have never been reached, we got to do some things that we never usually do. I want you to turn with me real quick. We're just going to pull out a few points from Mark chapter 2. And there are four men in the Bible who did something that had never been done. One step at a time and we're, we're going to go through it and I'm going to read it and it says a few days later when Jesus had entered Capernaum the people heard that he had come home bit of context for the time this was early on in Jesus's ministry and people were starting to hear rumor of who Jesus was and what he was doing I thought the incredible thing about this was as I read it this morning I, I had a conversation as we were coming here I saw so many churches uh, in Ireland we did, we have like 30 to 40 life-giving churches here there are churches on every street corner and there is a familiarity with the gospel 
people know about Jesus, but they have yet to encounter him in many situations. They have heard, this is Jesus. There's a church there, First Baptist, Second Baptist, 72nd Baptist, all these Baptists. And then you got into the Methodists, and that's only the Methodists. And then you got the Pentecostals, and then you got the non-denoms who are really just AG. And you got all this, you know. And here's the deal, we, 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 we can be familiar with God and we can live in a culture that is familiar about God, but really, at the end of the day, we gotta be people who say, you know what, I am not gonna just let people know about him, I'm gonna make people and give them an, uh, an ability to experience him, amen? So he had entered Capernaum, people had heard, they were, they were walking around and they gathered in such large numbers that there was, there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them, started declaring the good news, the light of the gospel to people. I love it because people were, were so hungry, they, they, were, they were crying out to, to hear a message of hope that they had never heard, and they, they crowded in to this house. They started crowding around, so much so that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man. I want you to think about that for a moment we have healthcare systems and health insurance but in those days the context of the time did not lend to a healthcare system this man had been paralyzed mainly people or scholars would believe that he was paralyzed for life that it was something from birth and although he may have been offered many doctors nobody was able to meet the need in his life and i want to liken that to maybe some people that you know in your lives where they have been paralyzed not physically but spiritually they had they they have not experienced the hope and the life of Jesus in their lives. And I want to encourage you today. God wants to use you in the lives of people to bring hope and healing to people who have been never exposed to the gospel of Jesus. They have never, they may have heard about it, but they have never experienced it. And these four friends, I can imagine some men came and they, they, they brought a man, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And I, I thought about this, like the love of a friend. Can you imagine this? This man had been offered so many solutions, I'd say throughout his life, but he had always remained paralyzed. He had always remained in his same place. And who was the friend out of the four of them said, hey, come on, there's a man named Jesus. He can hear you. No, I don't want to go. I've heard about all this stuff before. You've tried to give me every solution. I've been to the council and said, so I've tried to do everything to get my life right, but no, I'm not going. I'm, I only get my hope up that something is going to happen and then nothing really happens. No, 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 you got to come. I've heard rumor. I've heard stories of what he can do. He's been around for the last couple of months. He's been traveling around Judea and Samaria. He, he is the one who can, okay, okay, well, I don't want to go. No, you're coming. I don't care. It's happening. Well, how are you going to get me there? I'm going to get my three other friends. We're going to drag you there. What are you on about? You're going to carry me all the way there. Yeah, we're going to carry you there. Hey, I, I don't know who it is. And maybe I'm just thinking a little bit outside of the context of the scripture. But one of them, one friend had to have said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. There's a resolve in us when we see the brokenness in other people that needs to say, no matter what happens, I am bringing them to Jesus. Do you believe me? Amen. Come on, we want to believe that God can do incredible things in the lives of people. Some men came and the love of a friend, since they could not get to him because of the crowd. And 
I, I don't know about you, but I love going to concerts. Anybody a regular concert goer? I'm not sure what you guys listen to, but we like the L, traditional music in Ireland, a bit of a jig and a bit of a reel, you know, with the violin and the fiddle and the, you don't know what I'm talking about, but it's all good. We kind of jump like this and we do all this stuff. And Every time I go to a concert, you have these different people at the concerts or any event that you go to that is crowded. You have the people who are the ones who get there so early that it's ridiculous. They kind of tent outside the event and they're first at the stage and they're there and they're like hugging onto the barriers no matter what. And then you've got the people when you're at an event that get there late like me and they have to kind of stand at the back or maybe they get a bit of a good show. But then you've got the other people who are the people who kind of come in late and they, they walk up and you're standing there, you're enjoying it and they kind of tap you on the shoulder, excuse me, my, my friend's up there. I'm just getting up and they start, they start, mo you know those people? And you're like, you're in my, and they start like, no, no shame, no guilt, just straight through. And all of a sudden you start to realize that you're further back and they're way up the front. And all of a sudden you get another tap on the back and it's like, excuse me, <laughs> my friend is up there. Then you start to realize that that friend never had a friend up there and this friend was getting to that friend and all of a sudden you're further back than you ever were. You've also got the people who stand there like this and they're not moving, you know, puff out their chest. You're not going to get past me ever. Names like Vladimir, they're like scary. Here's what, I, here's what I thought, you know, getting through a crowd is not easy. And you, you look at the crowd in the context of the New Testament, the crowd actually was always in opposition to what Jesus was doing. You think of Zacchaeus as he was trying to get to Jesus, but he could not see because there was a barrier. The crowd was in the way. You think of the woman with the issue of blood who had to stretch through the crowd to get to Jesus. The crowd was always a barrier. And I, I don't know about you, but as the four friends started carrying the man on a stretcher through a crowd that was so crowded in the house that it, it spilled outside, they would have probably said, how are we going to get this man through the crowd and to Jesus? I imagine they pushed through the crowd a little bit and then realized they had to get to the house. And how are they going to get through the house into the door? Well, maybe we just got to climb up onto the roof. And the incredible thing is this, is that there will always be opposition to bringing people to Jesus. There will always be opposition in people or outside of people to bring people to Jesus. But sometimes we have to have a faith that is resilient for the lives and souls and hearts of people that says, no matter what, I am pushing through this crowd. There may be many voices that may stop. I think of uh, blind Bartimaeus as he cried out to Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd was the one who said, hey, stop. He doesn't want you. He doesn't need you. He's the one. He's doing his own thing. But I have to say this today. When we have a voice that is louder than the crowd, when we have a resolve like the four friends that push through the crowd no matter what, we will see the victory. We will see the life change. We will see the battle being won in the lives of people because we say this person can overcome opposition because I will help them. I will stand with them. I will believe for them. This is the incredible thing. They get to the wall. I, I imagine it. They get to the house. They have to push through the crowd a little bit. All of a sudden they're at the wall. What are we going to do? And they start start realizing very quickly that they need to get up onto the roof. Oh, we got to get up onto the roof and they get up onto the roof. And then I imagine there's a few of them there and they start pulling their friend up onto the roof. Think of the weight 
pulling a paralyzed man. Think of the awkwardness. You know, sometimes it's a little bit awkward when we have to step out and invite people to Jesus. It's never, I've never shared the gospel with anybody and felt like it was my greatest gift. I always felt a little bit of awkwardness. I always felt a bit of inadequacy. In fact, sometimes I'd share the gospel with somebody and then I'd have to share it again and again. And it feels like you're nearly pulling somebody up. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a weight. There's a weight to it. But these friends were like, we have a resolve that in order to reach this person, we have to do some things that we would never usually do. They get onto the roof and all of a sudden they realize, well, we're up on the roof now. I don't know about you, but they, they started to make an opening in the roof. They're, they've pulled the weight. They've carried their friend. They've felt the weight of it. Because when you have a family member that does not know Jesus, or you have a friend or a community person in your neighborhood that does not know Jesus, there's a weight that you feel in bringing to them to Jesus. But then all of a sudden, they, they get to the roof. And, and I just think it's hilarious because it says this. This is what the Bible says. They made an opening in the roof. <laughs> Wait, what? Can you, can you imagine? We're all, we're all sitting here. We're all chilling. All of a sudden, a tile just starts to come down. Now, I don't know about the USA, but I know in Ireland that if anybody goes near my roof, they have issues, serious issues. All of a sudden... It starts to crack open and there's a hand that comes through around the, around the roof. And I hope, I hope the church insurance is covering this. I, I hope somebody, and all of a sudden you start to see the light come through and Jesus is preaching. The crowd are surrounded by him and, and the hand comes through and around and starts to pull open and the air starts to filter in. And all of a sudden the friends start to lower the man down through the roof. I thought of it like this. So many people in the crowd were so busy crowding around Jesus that they, they weren't really concerned about anybody else. They weren't really concerned about the, the, the person with the paralyzed man. But the friends had a different thinking. They actually had a different philosophy. They, they nearly probably would have had their own stuff going on. That's why the crowds gathered, because they needed healing. They wanted to hear the message of the gospel. They had stuff going on in their lives, and they wanted Jesus to help them. But these friends had a greater mission than their own need. That while they are lowering the man down, they're seeing their friend encounter Jesus and their friend get healed by Jesus. And they know that Jesus is the answer, but they haven't put themselves ahead of their friend. They have let themselves be secondary nearly to their friend. I, I thought of it like this. I, I thought of it like this, that everybody else was just focused on them, getting themselves right and not even bringing the other people. But the friends, even though they probably had issues in their life, they still were concentrating on bringing people to Jesus. They weren't saying, it's not about him. It's just about me. I need the healing. I need the life change. I need all that stuff. That even while they were still in places where they could have had a lot of need, they still were able to reach people for Jesus. You don't have to be perfect to reach people for Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all there. If you're with me in this place, come on, let's give Jesus some praise. He wants to use you even in your brokenness, even in your situation. He he wants to allow you to bring life change into the lives of the other. Start to lower him down, lower him down, lower him down. See, the reality of it is, is that sometimes we can be so focused on what we are carrying. 
and the stuff in our lives that we have no time to focus on who we could carry. Who we could carry. I got this going. I got. Hey, he still wants to use you, even in your weakness, even in your brokenness. I believe there's a day when this church will see so many new people come to know Jesus because a church is mobilized and continue to be mobilized. It's incredible what God is doing. Continue to be mobilized to reach lost people, even when we've got stuff going on in our lives. Yes, I don't have it all together, but thank God for Jesus, that he brings us from glory to glory. He brings us from strength to strength. He is doing a new thing in our lives. He isn't leaving us the way we used to be. He's bringing us into who he has called us to be, and we get to bring people along the way. They lower the friend down. They lower him, lower him, lower him. And it says this, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, usually in the context of a scripture, Jesus would say to somebody, like the woman with the issue of blood, woman, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. But in this context, notice the difference. Jesus, he didn't see the man's faith that was paralyzed. He said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. I want us in this place to have a their faith mentality. Did you know that you can have faith for your family and your friends, even when they don't have faith for themselves? We can stand in the gap. We can have a their faith mentality. Hey, some of us, we've got sons and daughters. We've got brothers and sisters. We've got parents. We've got neighbors who don't have a faith. In fact, they don't even want to have a faith at that point that we see. But we can say, Lord, I am believing for one day that you will look and it will be because of their faith this person's sins are forgiven you know we can stand in the gap and have a faith that says Jesus you need to do something in their lives you need to do something that's why we pray that's why we stand in the gap because I believe God wants to use us in the lives of other people and then when they get here when they get to him when they realize it'll be a because of your faith your friend's life has been saved. I want to get to the end of my days. I want to get to eternity and Jesus say, because of your faith, this person came to know the Lord. Because of your faith, this, yes, you didn't have it all together. Yes, you had your stuff going on, but you carried and you did things you never usually did. And you felt awkward many times and you felt fear many times, but you, you stood out anyway and you told in the gap and you prayed in the gap. And because of your faith, your friends' lives are forgiven. Hey, my family, many of them don't know Jesus. So my brothers and sisters, I am believing one day that because of my continued faith, because of my continued perseverance, because even the voices and the doubters, the crowd would say, they'll never come to know Jesus. They'll never know. No, I am pushing through. I am climbing. I am carrying the weight. Yes, I feel it. But I believe one day because of my faith, my friends and my family will be saved. If you're here in this place, do you believe it? I really just want to encourage you because ultimately Jesus carried the cross and he carried the weight of the cross so that we don't have to. In Hebrews 12 too, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured it so that people 
in our lives can encounter a freedom and a life and a hope that the paralysis of their spiritual journey and their spiritual life can be set free and healed so they can experience joy and passion and life change. I believe today that we as a church, NCC, can step out and say, I'm carrying people to Jesus. I'm going to do something that I don't usually do. I'm going to walk up to somebody. I'm going to knock into that neighbor. I'm going to start building intentional relationships. A few months ago, I was watching a documentary on the Titanic, and many people know the Titanic was built in Ireland. It was one of the most formidable ships at the time. We've all seen that incredible movie. Near, far, wherever. Somebody, some, someone was like, yes, this is my best, Jack. Jack, I'll never let go. She let go. Anyway, Titanic was built in Ireland. It was the formidable ship. Because it was so formidable, they, they thought, you know what, we don't need as many lifeboats. They packed that ship with thousands of people. It was its maiden voyage all over, down from Dublin to Cove and Cork, and then set sail over the Atlantic en route to New York. Newspapers, fame of the time, the Titanic, unsinkable. Because it was so unsinkable, there was a sense that you know what, we don't need as many lifeboats. There wasn't many lifeboats on the lifeboat. There wasn't many lifeboats on the Titanic. It started to come closer to Canada past Nova Scotia. It hit an iceberg. We all know the story. And the boat started to sink. And there was such pandemonium, such panic, that they had never really actually tested the lifeboats to make sure that they could be utilized. And there was no plan to get people into them because they never thought the ship would sink. And lifeboat number six was one of the first lifeboats released. And it was one of the first ones. So the pandemonium and panic was setting in and they were rowing the lifeboat down and down. And they had only got 11 people into the lifeboat. But the capacity of the lifeboat was 70 people. Because of the pandemonium, the first class passengers got in. They were able to jump in and get into the boat and lowered into the water and Lifeboat six was in the water and started to row away from the Titanic because obviously once the ship goes down, they could get sucked down in with it. And as the people jump into the water, there's hundreds of people who don't have a lifeboat and all the lifeboats are lowered in and the boat ship starts to go down. There's people flailing in the water. There's people dying in the water. The lungs have hit their air and lifeboat six is there and it's got free spaces. It's got some space. It's got extra capacity. In fact, they actually thought you could fit an extra 20 onto the 70 just to get people there. But lifeboat six didn't go back. Lifeboat six was floating along the water. 11 people in a 70-man capacity lifeboat as people were drowning and people were suffocating and people were freezing to death in the water. And I, I was so angry. I was so like, how could they do it? There was fear got in and trembling got in. And in that moment, as the worship team just come forward, in that moment, I started to realize the Holy Spirit just started to speak to me and say, Daniel, You're in a lifeboat with endless capacity, with endless people that can be reached. 
and you're floating around. The lifeboat isn't just a wooden lifeboat. It's the lifeboat of Jesus. And you're, you're floating and rowing around in the water. And there are people in the water who need Jesus. And they need to be pulled into the lifeboat. Don't let the fear of, of getting a little bit wet hold you back. Don't let the things that you would seek, to the awkwardness or the, the things that because we do this always the same way, maybe we should do something different. Don't let that stuff hold you back, Daniel. You can reach people. And in this lifeboat, there's endless spaces. In this lifeboat, people can be saved and they can be saved into eternal knowledge of who Jesus is. I was challenged. I was convicted because I was like, Lord, there's so many people. Yes, they may know about you, but they don't know you. They don't know you for real. They haven't experienced that life change. God, help me not to be like the people in lifeboat number six who just chill because we want to play it safe and do the same thing and not let anything ever happen that could potentially let us, you know, feel embarrassed or ashamed. Or I want to be the type of person that's going around with two arms into the water and my backside and my legs in the boat, pulling people in, pulling people in. And I believe today, as a very simple call, he's asking you to do that too. Because in order to reach people that have never been reached, we got to do some things that we never usually do.